0: On our podcasts, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Opus Well Style podcast. My name is Yvonne Watanabe here with my partner, Evan Wall. Evan, what's going on, man? Good morning. Good morning. Exciting. Love doing these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we're very excited to have on a great friend, client of, of the firm, uh, Rob Weintraub. Rob, how are you? I'm good. I'm good on
2: this uh, very cloudy, rainy, wet late summer morning because it is still summer. We have not yet transitioned <laughs> to default officially, and I, I want to hold on you. to summer as long as I can.
1: I, I absolutely feel you there. We're excited to have you on, Rob. You know, to come on and talk about your expertise, sort of in the high-end watch market. You know, as um, you know, I'll have you introduce yourself in in a second. But really, just the topic for today is all of the questions that I seem to be asking myself, having conversations with friends that know nothing about the watch market, but really want to get into it. And it seems like it's a very interesting sort of whole entire animal amongst its own. So really wanted to have an expert come on today. So, um, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and then, and then Manfredi as well.
2: Okay. Well, um, I'm Rob Weintraub. I have been at Manfredi Jewels now for about 16 years. Uh, I am the manager there and um, my background is kind of varied and kind of different, interesting. So um, I have two music degrees and I was a professional opera singer before I got into Ooh. the the watch business. So I still... Should we, should we do a little rendition just to uh, for our audience? <laughs> you, can, you can Google me, you can find some, okay. um, <laughs> some YouTube stuff, but uh, I'm not warmed up. You know, I got into this business purely out of the uh, intrigue and love of mechanical watches. I had, uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a long story, but I, I had some fellow singer friend who was into watches and I started learning about them on my own. And um, it's an interesting world. And I like to connect the two worlds in the sense of with high-end mechanical watches, especially for the legacy brands like a Vacheron Constantin or Breguet or Blancpain. These brands, Blancpain has been around since 1735. Vacheron Constantin has been around since 1755. And so I make that connection with classical music and to an opera in that to truly like you can go to an opera and you can enjoy it. And you can also look at a fine timepiece and see how beautiful it is and enjoy it. But there's a much richer experience of it when you actually do your research. And so just like with classical music, you can find out about the composers and what was going on at the time and the librettist and and what makes that story in the history of the singers and all of this. It's a very rich, much richer experience. And I, I think the same thing is true of of mechanical watches where if you delve into the history of a brand or even a specific model or a current model and what in the brand's history has informed that current model and the technology of watchmaking, how it has advanced and all of these different things um, just make it a really rich experience. So I that's sort of a little bit of my background of how I, how I got into this. And I still to this day, having been in the business now, I don't know, close to 20 years, I really still um, enjoy and uh, marvel at the artistry and technology and hand workmanship and and what a a fine mechanical watch is that is really unlike anything else these days that that you can purchase, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because, you know, we've been having this conversation recently and obviously your passion for for watches and, and timepieces is is evident, right? But for most of us, you know, we sort of look at it two ways, I, I would say. One is just, you know, a beautiful thing to wear on your wrist. And then another one might be, you know, the investment opportunity that potentially might, you know, be present in that watch market. And I know, you know, I'm just curious to share your experience over the last couple of years, specifically during COVID. How was that market? You know, did you think it was way overvalued, way too hot? You know, is it just, was it just, completely unreasonable? Like give us a little bit of background there.
2: Right. Well, things did go a little crazy during COVID. And so I'm coming off uh, as far as the business is concerned, my best two years ever for our store. So there's a lot of factors that went into this mainly is that people were at home during COVID and they weren't traveling. They weren't spending money on that. People that are in this type of market did pretty well financially, I think. Uh, during that time. So it was a convergence of a lot of things. And then as things started heat up, it was also combined with, because of COVID, um, lack of product. So things slowed down in terms of production. And then you had this backlog of a convergence of people wanting specific watches, them not being available and people getting into watches that weren't beforehand. So I want to preface anything I'm going to say with, I would never tell anyone to buy a watch as an investment. That's not what it's about. I would tell everyone to buy what you love. Do your investigation. Really research the brand, the watch. Try them all on and see what speaks to you. And when you look down at your wrist and you see what you're wearing... Uh, this happens to be um, I'm wearing today a Zenith titanium skeleton a Zenith Defy Classic which is no longer available they've retired this model and came out with a different one but but whatever you're going to buy I think it's important to buy what you love something that you're that's going to make you smile when you look down at your wrist and what I will say about intrinsic value is that all of these mechanical objects if you maintain them will outlive you. And maintain some value. Okay, that's an important point. Some value. I don't know what the future value of some of these things are going to be. I don't. And if I did, then if I had them in my case at the retail price, why would I have sold them? I would have right. held on to them. So I can give you a perfect example uh, of a watch by an independent watchmaker called F.P. Journe, Francois Paul Journe. We were one of the original dealers of the brand. He still to this day makes about 700 watches a year. And the demand got so great for them that now they are only being sold through in the U.S. through three boutiques. So they closed down all their dealers, which is very frustrating um, in the sense that we, we took this brand from the beginning and we built them up uh, and helped to promote them. And then they become so successful that they don't need us as an independent retailer anymore. So there's one specific model called the Chronomet Blue. It's a watch that's in tantalum. It's their entry-level price point. And that watch, I think, retailed for around $19,000. So now, if you want to buy one, you can get them on the secondary market and you're going to pay probably around a hundred K. Okay. Wow. Cause supply and demand. So that watch is not any different when it was sitting in our case. It wasn't anything hot. We get it in, it sit for a little while. We'd sell it. We'd order another one in the beginning. Then it took on this life of its own. Now, if I had known that, that it was going to be, I should have told the owner of Manfredi at the time, you know what? This watch, it, I know it's 2012, but in 2020, that watch for 2021, that watch is going to be worth 100k. So every one we get, we should put in the safe and not sell it. We don't do that with anything, and we never right. have. Right. Because we that's how we look at it. So so we sell a watch on the merit of the watch. And I advise clients on their preferences, what is in their collection. I like having a diversity of a a watch collection. The nice thing is, as I said, some of these will go up in value. Some might not. And I just don't know. I can only, and so the whole point of this is really to buy, you know, what you like. And it's very frustrating for us as retailers who I carry, I don't know, at this point, it's 37 different watch brands and people come in and they want to know, you know, what's this watch going to be worth? Is this a good investment? And The reality is, is that I don't know. I know we can talk about what specific brands have performed well in recent years. And we can talk about historical things and all of that. But the reality is that I don't know. So I advise clients more so on their own preferences, what else is in their collection, what they like, what their lifestyle is. All of these different things. And getting back to the original question as far as what's going on in the marketplace today, there has been sort of a little bit of a a return to kind of pre-COVID for certain things where there's not these big wait lists for products that some products that did have big wait lists and people are traveling again. We're really in this post-COVID world where... It's more of a kind of a, a normalcy of with the exception of certain brands, as I said, and we'll we'll talk about that more as we move on in the podcast. But so again, this all goes back to buying what you like and what you're going to enjoy because I I, I mean, Yvonne, you and I have discussed uh, about this, how, Look, if you guys want an investment, go see Yvonne. <laughs> go see Opus. <laughs> right. Like you know, it put your money there. They'll tell you a good mutual fund. They'll tell you where you're going to put your money, where it's where there's some a little bit more historical thing. It, this is not. I don't like to talk about watches as investments. It, yeah. it just because the the reality is that we don't know. All I can do is use my expertise, uh, having done this a long time to advise you where you're going to get the most enjoyment out of it. And it's a bonus when something does, like you have this model where, and I can give you an example in terms of values of uh, an Audemars Piguet Royal Oak, right? That's a very hot watch. It's an iconic watch that was, uh, that came out in 1972. There's a great rich history. I own one. And at the height of, say, 2021, so at, at the time that watch, I think, back in the day it retailed for around 17,900 or 18 in the between 17 and 19,000 was the retail price for that watch at the height during when things were really crazy people were getting 60k for that model now they've they've advanced the model there's now two different generations versus the one i own And now I think that watch has come back down in terms of what they're trading at. If you really want to use that word, I don't like using that word because again, this is not stocks. (laughs) And I think it takes all the sort of specialness when you start talking about watches as it, it, it turns it into a commodity. And I think these are really beautiful works of art. And they're one of the few things these days that is still popular, that's purely mechanical, it's not electronic, and there's so much hand workmanship that goes into it. So there's a humanness about it. Um, and so I didn't know at the time it was going up. You'd think, oh, I should have, I should have sold that watch, but I still like the watch. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, that's where all of this sort of business about convergence of buying something you like with buying something that's going to maintain or go up in value. In this case, that one worked out for me, but I never bought it because of that. I bought it because I love that watch. It was an iconic watch. Yeah. and you, um, you,
1: You've talked about, you've talked about there being a market where super high-end watches are getting traded amongst owners, right? Like mm-hmm. if I really love my watch, but I'm like, oh, I've been wearing this for the last two years. Maybe I want something else, similar value, but I'm not going to go buy something else, right? That there's almost a community of watch watches getting traded amongst each other. Can you talk a little bit about sort of how that works and, you know, what types of watches are in that market? And I just found that super interesting.
2: Right. Well, you know, I, we have many clients who are big collectors. And again, this is entertainment who will trade in and out of watches regularly. Sometimes they've owned it for a month or a half a year, barely worn and they just decide to rejigger their collection. I'm guilty of that too. You, it's like, in a sense, you know, you look at the same thing over and over again on your wrist And you might love it or you just want to get something else, whatever it is. So there are platforms online where people do this. They do it themselves. And of course, the pre-owned watch market is very big. And we do trade-ins and we offer a consignment option at Manfredi. If you have something that you want to get out of, you bring it to us. We give you a value against a new watch that we're going to take it in on trade. And we also offer a consignment option where we discuss the price and we find what We think is the right price to price it at, so it will sell because there's no point in us it's sitting. And we take a 20% commission on that selling price, and then um, we have it professionally photographed. We promote it both in our pre owned section in our store, but we also put it online um, at different websites like uh, Chrono 24, Time Zone, WatchNet. There are a lot of sites like this, so there are guys who do this themselves too, or eBay. They have an account or they, or through these chat rooms or this community, they will do their own selling. But a lot of times they come to us because these are large sums of money. And if you're just selling something like if you're going to sell, especially something like a Rolex, where there's great demand and high value, what are you going to meet a guy at a coffee shop and, and exchange 10 grand in a, in a suitcase? I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, so that's why they, they feel comfortable coming to us and it's worth spending either that 20% or the, the trade in value toward The new watch, but I mean, it's amazing how many guys. You know, again, it's their entertainment. You can go gamble away money. You can go to the bar. There's a lot of different things that you can. You can play golf. There's so many different places you can spend your money. And so, when people say, "But I," they can't wrap their head around people losing money on traded-in watches. But that's part of the game, and it's part of the entertainment. And just like on some cases, you actually gain, and you do really well. In other cases, you know, you lose. And that's just part of the entertainment of it. Part of the enjoyment, I think. Have you found that because uh, smartwatches have become so much more popular over the last five, I don't know, five, 10 years that there's been less interest in high-end mechanical watches or it's just not correlated at all? No, I actually think it's the opposite. I think that smartwatches is like a gateway to, and especially now with there's so many watch dials on an Apple watch and... There are apps you can use where you can actually put the dials of famous, right. like I mentioned, an Audemars Piguet Royal Oak or yeah. some of these high-end watches that can, uh, that can translate over into people wanting the real one. Because man, I own an Apple Watch. Uh, I think it's great. And I wear it when I'm in my house. I wear it to sleep. And I wear it when I'm working out. But if I'm going out in public, like today, this morning, I was just out running errands. So I didn't have to take my Apple Watch off. But I did to put on my Zenith because I don't, it's my business of course, but I don't feel like I'm properly dressed even if it's not like out in public to be wearing an, an Apple watch. But other people disagree and they, they like that. But we've also seen a phenomena recently where uh, Swatch has come out with these collaborations. So the first collaboration was the Moon Swatch and the iconic Omega Speedmaster Professional, which is the first and only watch worn on the moon they came out with a Swatch Quartz version of it in different variations. And those were selling, it's a $260 retail. And at the height, I think people were getting over $1,000 for them online. And they're still, you can only buy them at Swatch stores, people wait in line. And we saw a real, I think, an uptick in the popularity of the original Omega Moonwatch as a result of that collaboration. So I think... All of these things are just good for the mechanical watch industry. And once people learn about these things, educate them, and most importantly, see them in person. It's really important because it's one thing to look at a picture of something online. It does not translate to seeing that beautiful work of art on your wrist and realizing how much hand workmanship goes into it. And so that's where, you know, a store like ours where you can see 37 or close to 40 different brands under one roof and compare and contrast and see why this one, why a Seiko, which is, or a Hamilton, which is a great watch that you can get for under a thousand dollars, comparing that to a high-end Vacheron Constantin or Breguet or these independent watchmakers that we are known for, we carry some of the best independent brands, uh, like, uh, Kari Vutelenin who makes maybe 50 to 75 watches a year. And every piece is bespoke. And they started around a hundred thousand dollars. And you have now uh, a five to seven year wait. Once you place the order, you have the Gronefeld brothers, uh, which is an independent brand that we have taken on that now have closed their books. So I can't, I have things on order. They're not taking any orders right now because they only make between 100 and 125 watches per year. And they just actually hired on five new watchmakers. So hopefully the production will ramp up, but they're not even taking orders right now because they're so backordered. Um, and then we have some of these more special brands like Singer Reimagined. People probably in this pod, listening to this podcast, probably are aware of the uh, Porsche Singer collaboration, where if you uh, singer Porsche, some of them are over a million dollars. Well, they make watches and they make beautiful watches that are informed by those design elements. So we have those. Laurent Ferrier, which was one of the original designers and watchmakers for Patek Philippe, has his own brand. And this is a watch that's soared in popularity. We were the first and only dealer in North America uh, for many years. Um, So back in the day, I was dealing directly with the guy who was running the brand in Switzerland, getting these shipped to us directly from Switzerland, and setting the US retail price. Together with the exchange rate, all of that to now they have. At one point, they had a US distributor, and now they have their own subsidiary part of the company here in the US. Again, being able to see all of these beautiful works of art in one, under one roof, in one place, and to be able to compare and contrast the different watches, I think is really important when you're considering doing all of this uh, and getting into this and understanding why one watch costs 25000 and one watch costs 2000 and seeing the differences uh, between them. So that's sort of the really fun part of my job is when somebody comes in and they've never seen these things in person and then I can show them in person and they get it. They get to understand why they cost what they do. Personally, my yeah, collection, yeah. at this point, I think it's around 15-ish. I just picked up I mean and again it doesn't have to be expensive I was just traveling in China and I was able to pick up um, some vintage Chinese watches that uh, two of which are new when I say new old stock it means that they were never sold they were new and they were sitting they're uh, Nanjing watch company and the watches I had the card the date of manufacture on them is 1231
1: 1973 wow and I have two of them and never worn
2: Never worn. Just fun. And those three, and I bought one also a Shanghai watch that was from 1980. And those three watches together cost me the equivalent of about $55. Mm -hmm. You know, so fun. And and the the whole point is is that a watch doesn't have to be super expensive for you to enjoy it. I mean, I own two Seiko divers. One watch that retails for $850. The other watch that retails for $1,200. And those are great watches. They're in my rotation. I wear them. So, again, and these collaborations, I mean, uh, Blanc Pan, which is a brand that we carry, they just came out with a collaboration of the 50 Fathoms with Swatch. 50 Fathoms is the first dive watch known by Jacques Cousteau, uh, originally worn by Jacques Cousteau in, in one of his uh, exploration movies. And so that's a real iconic watch. And they've done this Swatch collaboration. So I think this can only help where people see these sort of you know, other versions of it and they want to see the real version and they come to us and they get a sense of seeing the um, the real version that costs, you know, $15,000 and why it does. So, yeah.
1: you know, I, you, you mentioned sort of the value of, of having a relationship with you and sort of uh, right. uh, uh, in um, a store like Manfredi. Going through this purchase of a Rolex is probably one of the most (laughs) frustrating, annoying things that I have ever experienced because, for the most part, you're like, Hey, I've got money. Can I go? I have enough money to go buy this thing. Can I just trade my dollars in exchange for this product? And, you know, I when I was doing research to buy a watch, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just look at this, you know, the pre owned market. So I started looking. I'm like, Why is a pre owned watch 10 to 15% more (laughs) than a brand new one? I've got time. I'm not in a rush. I'll just wait. And thank God I have a relationship with you all because it's like, you you know, when you you have no idea when you're, you know, going to actually receive this thing. So, so one, just kind of talk a little bit about why you think it's important to establish a relationship with a shop like yours. And then two sort of, what is the actual process, demystify it for people, what it is okay. like in the Rolex market today? Because I feel like gotcha. that is taking up a lot of my conversation. <laughs> I, I I understand. And when you say you're
2: frustrated, let me tell you, we are frustrated too. Not with, we are, we are thrilled to be an official Rolex jeweler in our new Canaan location. So we have two locations. We have um, Greenwich Avenue in Greenwich, and we have Uh, Elm Street in uh, New Canaan. And so we are an official Rolex jeweler in our New Canaan location. And we are so uh, honored and thrilled to be uh, an official Rolex jeweler and to have that. That's an amazing thing. Now, what's the frustrating part is that people like you or just in general, I'm in the business to get people what they want and I want to make people happy. (laughs) Right. I mean, ultimately, right. It's just like you. You want to make people happy. And so I hate disappointing people. <clears throat> and when people call up and ask for these watches and I get it. And let me tell you, there's a couple of different levels of this. Like there's the role. I, I, I've actually uh, likened it to three different levels. There's the Rolex level where I've got 10, 15 grand. I know, you know, I'm going to pay whatever the retail price is for this watch and I want it and you can't get it. Okay. The next level of that, is, as I mentioned, Audemars Piguet, if you go into an Audemars Piguet store and you want to buy a stainless steel Royal Oak, I don't want to say that they will laugh at you, but they don't know you. And so they're going to say, well, do you have any purchase history with us? What other Audemars Piguet watches do you own? Well, we'll see. And so wait, wait, I want to spend 25, 30 grand and you can't take my money. Then go and try and buy a Richard Mill watch. Okay. You've got $150,000 that you want to spend on a watch. You go in there, you're ready to go. You walk in and, and maybe you've read about it, whatever it is, and you don't know what's going on. And you walk into the Richard Mill store in New York City and you say, I'm ready to go. Got my 150K, I want this model. The same situation. Do you have a history? What? And so so this is the challenge because demand is greatly outpacing supply. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so that's where we're at with, these high demand watches. Now, in, in the case of having a relationship, we'll, we'll, we'll then go back to tackling the Rolex question, but why it's important to have a relationship. We've been in business since 1988. So we have a very long history. And you know, thankfully, we are widely known as one of the top retailers in the world. Because we were one of the fir- we have all these independent brands. I mean, we were one of the first Frank Mueller dealers, as I mentioned. Laurent Ferrier, Richard Mill, we were a dealer, um, and so we've become kind of somewhat of a, of a mecca to have all these brands under one roof, and we have a great re- uh, reputation uh, in the industry because of this, mainly because of the our owner Roberto uh vision of this store that started in 1988. So we have these long-term relationships with our clients. And what's beautiful about that is, number one, is getting to know these people. And so loving people and, and making these deep connections with them is great. Um, and you're always celebrating uh, a happy event, usually. But we are also a full-service jeweler, so we carry all different brands of branded jewelry. And we also do custom work and we do engagement rings and diamonds. And so we're a one-stop shop. So the whole point is you establish a relationship with us and we believe in long-term relationships. One sale, we always talk about one sale doesn't mean anything. We want you to keep coming back to us. And I really think of myself as an advisor. We've done that for years. So The whole point is to have somebody, an associate, a salesperson, wherever you are in the country, having a relationship with somebody that you trust, that's going to do right by you, that's going to advise you the right way and treat you fairly so that they are a profitable business, so they're making a profit, and you feel like you're being treated well, and it's a symbiotic relationship so that... You will keep coming back. That you feel that you're valued, and I mean, some of those benefits of long term. I mean, we we do events. Um, I've taken clients just to, to visit watch manufacturers in Switzerland, you know, or just just coming on a uh, just coming into the shop, sitting down, chatting about watches, and having an espresso or uh, or a scotch or a cognac or w- whatever it is. Uh, the level of hospitality. You know that's really important, and it, it's not just us. I think where wherever you are, I think the most important thing is to have a trusted relationship, just like with your business, Yvonne. How long yeah. have we we've known each other? What ten years now? I think. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, again, and and doing right by them, just like you've done with me, and you know, never pushing something just for the sake of making a sale. Really doing right by the client, advising them, and
1: having uh, that established relationship. So. And Rob, how does that how does that relationship sort of help the watch consumer from like a getting what they're looking for? Right. Okay. So our relationship, you know, how, yeah. how does that work?
2: Okay, so let's let's do two separate things. Let's first talk about in general. I have a spreadsheet where I have people who are waiting for watches of the brands that we carry in Greenwich. And so when those watches come in we decide who we are going to offer that watch to and who is that client and you know how long has that client been with us and what type of a client are they are they respectful of our time or what's that relationship like so obviously just like you want to take care of your best clients mm. and and a well-rounded client so a client who purchases jewelry who does repairs who sees you for service you know, who buys different brands of watches, all of that. Okay. So so that's that. Now, when it comes to Rolex, what you want to do, wherever you are, is you want to visit that location. So we only sell Rolex over the counter in our new Canaan location. So you need to go there. And when you go there, you will see there are watches that are exhibition watches. So you can actually, again, getting back to what I was speaking about before, is to have the opportunity to see that watch in person, to try it on and to decide if it is something that you love that you wanna purchase. And then we register your interest and we sh- that you've been in the store, we take the notes and eventually you will get that watch. What I will suggest to anybody who's listening and I tell this to people who just cold call us or whatever, I especially from different parts of the country. I tell them, uh, even existing clients from different parts of the country, when they ask me for Rolex, I tell them, establish a relationship with your local official Rolex jeweler that you will go in and visit. And I understand, like, for some people, they only want their one watch. They're not a watch collector. They don't have crazy amounts of money to spend to build up that relationship. But I don't think you need to do that per se. I think it's a matter of being a nice person, being respectful, and continuously visiting that store. If you need a watch battery, if you need service, if you have an an occasion, maybe you you have uh, a niece who's getting baptized or something small, you just need everything that can be connected to that jeweler, use that opportunity. And then constantly, and, and be respectful, and you go in there and say... Hey, listen, I get it. And you know, I registered my interest for this watch. I'm just stopping by to say hi. That's it. And you look around and you see and just establish that relationship. Because I, I think that obviously purchase history is important, but also having a, being a nice person, being respectful of their time, understanding the situation and, and just letting them know, They're reminding them that you still want this watch. Uh, I, I wish it were different. I wish everybody that said to me, I have a birthday next month and I really wanted a stainless steel Daytona. I wish I could say, sure, no problem. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. I, Cause we're in the business to sell, right? We, yep, we, we yep. want to. And, and so, you know, that's really the best option I would say as far as the people who are local to us, go visit our new Canaan location. Um, and we are expanding that store. We should have an, a grand opening uh, should be ready Sometime end of October, beginning of November, but uh, we have a beautiful new space uh, that's gonna be really state of the art, spectacular, uh, beautiful store. Um, so it'll be a pleasure to go there. Uh, right now, we're in a temporary location, but that's okay. it's um it's still a great experience going awesome. there, and you can see. I, I wish I had some magic thing, and but this is this is what has given the rise to the secondary market. There are people out there. And we tell people sometimes you could have that watch tomorrow if you want to pay whatever the market price is. And hopefully you're getting an authentic watch. You, you might not. And that's the whole thing. So when you're buying on the secondary market and you're paying over retail, you know, it's tough because you have to be really careful. There are a lot of great fakes out there. And so, uh, just like I was talking about establishing a relationship, I think it's really important to trust your seller and know who you're buying from. That's really important because people get taken all the time yeah. and they don't even know until they send the watch in for service and they send it to Rolex and Rolex won't service it. They'll say this is counterfeit or parts in this watch are counterfeit. So it's, um, you know, it's a crazy thing, but, and as, as far as values go, especially look at some of these vintage Rolexes and, and what the, the, the prices are now it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Rob, as we kind of wrap up here, is there, is there one thing that you want to make sure that you leave, you know, the listening audience with, you know, is there one particular thing that you want to make sure that people kind of get away from our conversation today?
2: I think the most important thing for people when you're getting into watches is to do your research And find out if there's a watch, like your buddy says, you need to have this watch, whether it be a Rolex or an Audemars or a Patek Philippe or any of these brands where people say, examine why it is that you think you want that watch. Go and see that watch, compare it to other brands and make sure that you're making the right decision for you, that you're going to be happy with, because you can, there's really nothing else I can think of that you can use you can have on your person day in and day out 24 hours a day seven days a week you're going to spend a lot of time with this beautiful mechanical object on your wrist and so it's just important to really know enough about that and to know that you love it all the other stuff aside because we we covered all of that uh about you know Intrinsic value, perceived value, all of that stuff we, we've spent time doing. But the most important thing is to know that you are going to absolutely love this and going to be happy with it for years to come. That's the most important thing, I think. And, and and I'm out there for anybody who needs advice, who wants to chat about this. That's, as I said, that's the fun part of my job. So um, you can find me um, just at rob at you can email me. You can hit up Yvonne. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. I'm just at Robert Weintraub. I'm not a big social media guy, so I don't do a lot on Instagram, but, but you can find me there as well. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll gladly answer your questions and, and talk you through it and give you some suggestions about it.
1: I appreciate it. Well Rob you know, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh I really really appreciate the conversation. I know it was valuable for for me and for for a lot of others. So my pleasure. Uh, th- thanks for thanks for jumping on with us and and uh, thank you to a listening audience for tuning in. Uh please click subscribe below so you can be notified when we have our next episode. Appreciate it guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style podcast. Click the subscribe button below to
3: be notified when new episodes become available this podcast is intended for general public use and for informational purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by pas guardian or opus private client and opinions stated are their own guardian its subsidiaries do not issue or advise regarding watches or jewelry values of watches or jewelry or markets for watches or jewelry Yvonne Wantanabe and Evan Wool are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License 0H44206 Evans California Insurance License 0H04936 Compliance Approval 2023-162535 Expires October of 2025